A new Senate report lays out the groundwork for potential reforms to the law governing federal cybersecurity standards. Lawmakers say many federal agencies are still struggling to comply with the law as it stands, leaving sensitive data at risk. The White House is also contemplating changes to how it oversees agency cybersecurity efforts. Here with the latest on all of this, Federal News Network's Justin Doubleday. And Justin, talk about that Senate report. What are they contemplating and dreaming up up there? Yeah, so this report was published by Senate Homeland Security Committee Ranking Member Rob Portman. He's from Ohio and and Chairman Gary Peters from Michigan. And it follows up on a 2019 report that found eight of the biggest civilian agencies were not meeting the standards of a law called the Federal Information Security Modernization Act. And some of these agencies were the Department of Homeland Security, Department of State, Department of Transportation, just to name a few. The 2019 report found they were not adequately protecting things like personally identifiable information, maintaining an inventory of IT assets. These are some of the requirements under that law called FISMA for short. And so this latest report released this week found very little progress at all eight of those agencies except DHS. They were the only ones that they found were implementing an effective cybersecurity program in 2020. So Portman and Peters say agencies are still leaving sensitive data at risk. And in the wake of solar winds and recent Chinese hacks of government agencies, they say that's unacceptable. And FISMA does go back quite a number of years. It's the law that sets federal standards, as you said, for cybersecurity. It's very report-oriented, audit-oriented. It's not all that operational. So what is the Senate report recommending to change the law that agencies are already not complying with? Right. So they're looking to reform FISMA in several different ways. And an important thing to note here is that the Senate report pulled data from Inspector General audits of FISMA compliance. As you said, it's very audit heavy, very compliance heavy. And the report found some glaring shortcomings at several of these agencies. One example that was highlighted at the Department of Health and Human Services, the IG found that several HHS operating divisions weren't implementing important cybersecurity technologies for continuously monitoring their networks. And so the IG recommended to HHS that they come up with a roadmap for getting those divisions on track. And HHS actually disagreed with the recommendation because they said they didn't have the authority to direct those divisions to use certain technologies. So one of the big recommendations they're making is they want to ensure agency CIOs have the authorities they need under the law to actually direct their subcomponents to implement these important technologies. CIOs, but not that's who it mentions, not chief information security officers. Right. And it varies across agencies in terms of who has a, a CISO and where they are in the structure. But just about every agency has a CIO. And FISMA actually empowers the agency head to direct IT security, and then they delegate that down to the CIO typically. But the crux of the issue here is that apparently at HHS, at least, they don't feel they have the authority to direct these agents, these subcomponents to do what they need to do. So the report is also advocating a more centrally coordinated approach to government cybersecurity, and that's to ensure accountability. Committee aides spoke to reporters on background, and, and they said that that sort of accountability could start with the national cyber director. That's currently Chris Inglis. And, and then extend down to the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure sure. Security Agency, which, remember, wasn't around in 2014 when FISMA was last reformed.
All right. We're speaking with Federal News Network's Justin Doubleday. Now, the White House has got a big, huge executive order out on cybersecurity, so they're interested in this also. What does the White House say about the FISMA possible reform effort? Right. Well, so the White House is already asking for a lot of additional data from agencies under that executive order. They they want agencies to adopt things like multi-factor authentication and encryption, and they're telling them to keep the White House updated on those activities under the executive order. Federal Chief Information Security Officer Chris Darusha says he wants to fold some of those cyber EO-driven activities into FISMA. And, and then he also wants to change how the White House implements FISMA going forward as well. Here's Darusha speaking at an event sponsored by Oracle last week. And we also want to reform FISMA so that we're focusing on security outcomes and real uh, tested security, continuous monitoring, and start moving away from the self-attestation and compliance-based approach. And I, and I think everyone's open and welcome to that. Now, we've gotta, we're going to have to figure that out together, how we do that well. But but that's the real answer is we want to start measuring in more meaningful ways agency progress and demonstrating where there's real gaps through data so that we can help them address those through funding in the future and justifications. You know, that's a big part of what my office does is working with the budget side of OMB to help make sure that they understand that these are good rational investments that align to the to the priorities we've got. And that's federal CISO Chris Darusha, and that'll make agencies jump, get the data, then you get the money. And Justin, within the White House and the Senate, are they then sort of moving on the same direction with FISMA reform? There is some overlap. You know, the report also recommends agencies move to more of a risk-based budgeting model for cybersecurity, you know, have some baseline of standards, but then also take into account the challenges that each individual agency faces. And Arusha advocated for a similar model there from what you heard. And both the White House and Congress generally want to improve the state of federal cybersecurity, right? That's not a goal that anyone could disagree with. But Congress and in the Senate report particularly seem concerned about oversight and accountability. And I don't think the White House would disagree with that. But Darusha said he views FISMA as a potential tool to help agencies improve cybersecurity, and he said he thinks that they can start moving in that direction before Congress implements any sort of uh, legislation. There's plenty that the Office of Management and Budget can adjust in how we do performance management within our responsibilities of overseeing the implementation of FISMA. And so we need to find a way to do more value-add, tested security approaches make sure a continuous monitoring is being employed, make sure that we're helping them justify their budgets by asking the right questions and drawing out the right kind of data on workforce and hiring on all sorts of other issues. And that's, that's the key about what we do is if we do our jobs well, we can help paint the picture and tell the story and then help and support the agency. And I gotta tell you something, that's like 100% of how I view this job. I don't know why this role is here if it's not going to be to help the enterprise, the federal civilian enterprise move forward and to to surge support and help and remove barriers because they're doing the hard lifting. So that's Federal Chief Information Security Officer Chris Darusha talking about uh, potential reforms that the White House can make to FISMA uh, short of new legislation being enacted. So back to the Senate report, you know, committee aides told reporters that Portman is actually going to introduce legislation this session 
to implement some of the recommendations in this report. Now, the Senate Homeland Security Committee is obviously that key committee to watch because they oversee FISMA, they oversee the Department of Homeland Security and federal cybersecurity efforts in general. So watch out for that in the coming months in terms of federal cybersecurity standards reform. Federal News Network's Justin Doubleday. Thanks so much. Thank you. Check out his story at federalnewsnetwork.com. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the president and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual actual, uh, afloat commands. Uh, The first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Uh, And then after I retired, after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm I'm currently retired and enjoying life. And um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style? And how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, It's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin and what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I. We'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it um, from C to the C-suite. Fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, 
um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career, but really it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was, you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Um, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance, in some cases, and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions, uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And, and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy and um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From C to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes. When I was at Navy Federal, I would tell sea stories. Uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they going to say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment, and it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book, and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan, who was the perfect, perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon, uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, and I might add that um, any proceeds from the book, Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons in, in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. Um, during my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from 
the Pentagon, they stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally agree. And, and I can tell you from the U.S. Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler. And to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast, we'll see you next time. Helping your employees learn new cloud skills helps your business become more agile, more resilient, and more secure. Not helping employees learn new cloud skills causes your business to become less agile, less resilient, less secure, less innovative, less profitable, and, well, ultimately less of a business. Don't become less of a business. Try Pluralsight and get your employees everything they need to learn new cloud skills. Learn more at Pluralsight.com vision. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit LiveXLive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.